Welcome to the start of Not Another Election. My name is Simon, I'm the producer, and I want to take you on a journey with a few of my good mates over the next few episodes as we build up to the next general election on the 12th of December. Join our conversation as we unpack the campaign points and try to make sense of the barrage of information we'll receive over the course of the campaign. And we do really mean join in. Head over to anchor.fm slash notanotherelection and record us a message. Ask us a question or give us your point of view on the campaigning so far. You can follow us on Twitter at Another Election. Links to all this in our show notes. Now, bear with us. We're a new podcast and we're just working all this out. For our first episode, we've just done a Skype call, but you can expect much better audio quality from next week. This episode, we're one week into the election and we'll start off by doing a little intro. You've heard a lot from me, so maybe it's time to hear from the rest of us. Jason, could you kick us off? Hi, my name is Jason and I'm calling in from my kitchen in London. Sounds like you're on a blind date. <laughs> um, hi, I'm Sam. Registered to vote in Cornwall, live in London, and I feel sorry for all of you having to listen to us ramble. Uh, and I'm Tom. I'm also in Jason's Kitchen in London. So, Tom, you're going to be voting uh, where you are locally in London. Sam, I'm guessing if you're registered in Cornwall, you're going to be voting down there? Yeah, I'll be, I'll be representing the fishermen, the farmers, the people that put the food on our tables. That's cool. And then, Tom, I'm the, uh, the right assumption that you're going to be voting in your constituency in London? I will be, yes. And Jason, could you explain your unique situation for our audience? Uh, so I'm actually a German citizen. I've lived in the UK for just over eight years now and therefore not registered, not eligible to vote. I think it'd be really good to talk about where we are at right now. I'm super confused. I don't know how to vote. And that's often what I've been like in every election I've been able to vote in. Really confused about all the policies, all the different political parties. Do any of you guys have a clearer idea of where you might be leaning in this election? I would say I'm feeling very similar to you, Simon, to be honest. I have been, yeah, I've been inundated with, I consider myself a generally politically aware person. I've probably not followed this quite as closely up until now as I maybe should have done. But yeah, I'm struggling as well. I feel like I'm a very much a the floatiest of the floating voters, <laughs> um, particularly in this election, because in the past, I've thought a particular party or a particular individual has really jumped out at me as someone I could get behind. I'm not yet seeing that this year. So I'm prepared to have my prepared and ready to have, you know, someone take on that role. And that's probably where I'll end up leaning. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think, so I consider myself fairly politically aware, similar to you, Simon, in that I regularly follow the news and studied a politics related course at university. Um, Generally quite interested. I think also obviously what, voters generally often face in elections there's just a sense of apathy and does it really matter do we care um i don't consider myself one of them but even for myself who i think have a fairly established political opinion even if i could vote would struggle to pin it down at this moment in time i i I don't i don't know where i'm gonna vote but i i do have a prediction we will end up with a conservative majority in this election um i saw one poll today 14 point lead ahead of labor so I do love an early prediction. I do yeah, love an early yeah, prediction. Yeah. I'm just putting it out there. You heard, I, it, you heard it here first. That's... I don't want to be defeatist, but it doesn't really matter what I vote. <laughs> um, is that because nothing's going to change in your constituency? Cornwall generally has either been a Lib Dem or a Tory stronghold for as long as I've sort of uh, been aware of politics. But I just think the election's in the bag for, for the Conservatives. I What's that based? What's that uh, at this stage? What's that based on? It's based, that is based on YouGov's poll today, saying you know fourteen percent lead, 
based on the fact that the Brexit party have just decided to stand down in 317 seats. Do you think that's part as well due to the fact that nine, none of the traditional kind of strong opposition, so Labour or Lib Dem, have really yet put forward a kind of, I think most people would probably agree with this, even if you were a staunch supporter of either of those two parties, haven't yet put forward a very kind of clear idea of exactly what they're going to be standing for. Well, the problem, the problem with this election, as I see it, is it, it probably should have it probably should have been a referendum because I think this is we're heading for a Brexit general election, in which case most people have already made up their minds and therefore the manifestos will come out. But I still think most people will will vote based on how they feel about Brexit. Issue that we have right now is that we don't have any manifestos. Mm. We are we are manifestoless, and it'd be interesting to see. You would assume Brexit will take central stage on those manifestos. It'll be interesting to see if that is the only issue that these parties feel like the election is going to be contested on. Well, as our colleagues at a much more well-known uh, podcast um, tried to clarify, I tried to figure out last night um, that manifesto will likely to come out at the start of next week, um, but we can never predict for sure. Different parties in the past have released them at different times. Will there be any curveballs, do we think? Uh, so it's been suggested that the Conservatives might not release their manifesto until two weeks before polling day. So potentially a bit late. I'm not sure about that. Interesting. I think I think I've got that correct. I'm not sure that was just a rumour, but I think um, could be the first, could could be our first claim. Yeah. Our first <laughs> first claim on the claimometer. Yeah. Actually, the first claim was <laughs> the Tories have got this election. Oh, well, that's true. That, <laughs> that, 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 that could well end up being the daddy of all claims. <laughs> that that claim was based on data. <laughs> <laughs> to quote Boris Johnson, we've got a a zombie parliament a paralysed parliament. And what that really means is there just aren't the numbers, there isn't the arithmetic in the House of Commons to get Brexit done. Jesus, I sound I sound like I'm... I sound like... I sound <laughs> you like sounded, I'm, you sound, always sounded like Boris. Though. Yeah, that is, that is concerning. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, th that, that's why we're heading for an election. There isn't the arithmetic to get Brexit through the House of Commons but there also isn't the arithmetic to agree an alternative, for example, a referendum or a different version of Brexit that can get through the Commons. So therefore, it's a general election. Yeah, I think I agree. I think in, in a nutshell, I think the leading Tories and Boris in particular have just become impatient and that over the course of the last two years, even going back to when you know Theresa May was, was, was at the head of the party. I think he just got frustrated at the fact that he keeps getting delayed um, with trying to push Brexit through. It was obviously his main point in his leadership campaign was that he was going to get Brexit done by the 31st of October. And I think he's frustrated at all the dilly-dallying in his view. And he wants to get a Conservative majority so he can get it put through the Commons and sorted. Some people, some people argue this was always the plan. Some people, I've heard some commentators say, he never really wanted to get Brexit done on October the 31st. He always wanted to push this to a point where there was a general election because Boris wants nothing more than to have power. And he was in a situation where he was prime minister with absolutely no power. So, yeah, the, that, that's one way of looking at it. This yeah. is all part of the sort of the master plan. Yeah. But don't you think as if you were the general person on the street who doesn't care about parliamentary mechanics and who's got a majority of seats or not, they just want to see government and parliament just, you know, you know, change lives and get things done. Um, to then have an election which 
you know, supposedly it's also supposed to cover other um, topics, right? So even in the last week, we've not just been hearing about Brexit. Obviously, Brexit has been one of the main talking points, but we've also heard about lots of spending that everyone's proposing. Obviously, the Green Party is proposing lots of, um, you know, changes to environmental policy uh, and so on. Lib Dems are giving us a skills wallet. There we go. Everyone's everyone's promising a lot of spending. Neither so do we think then that's a farce? Because what it really boils down to is the Brexit question. Why are we bothering with all of these other policies? Well, right. I think there's a strong feeling, whether or not this is true, I think to an extent this will be true, there's a strong feeling that actually the, the British public don't care about Brexit anymore. It's, we've heard nothing else for the last three years. And actually, whether it, you know, most people are resigned to it happening in some form or another. That's the kind of expectation. And therefore, let's just start thinking about the other very important issues that have been totally, you know, cast aside over the last few years. Because some polls suggest that actually climate change is now the second biggest topic that voters care about after Brexit. Well done, Greta. Well, one of the one of the challenges, and, it, and it's been a challenge <clears throat> over the last few months, is that until you get the Brexit question sorted... It doesn't matter what else is on the parliamentary agenda. Yep. For example, I, uh, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there was a domestic violence or a domestic abuse bill that tried to pass the House of Commons but kept getting delayed because all the time was taken up debating Brexit. So it doesn't really matter what's in these manifestos because ultimately the thing that needs sorting is the thing that's stopping everything else, which yeah. is Brexit. Well, it's interesting. Maybe that's just amongst us four. Having said that, do we, for us, do we think Brexit will be, or are the parties' approach to Brexit, their strategy, will that be the biggest, the biggest, you know, reason why we vote or do not vote for them? Is that the biggest thing we're looking at? So I think that's really that's a really interesting kind of point of view because actually I think um, kind of if this is the Brexit election, I'm not sure it's very clear who you should vote for one way or the other you, yeah. you, you could argue that if you were remain you should vote lib dems uh, and you could argue that if you're brexit that you you vote conservative or you vote brexit party depending on your flavor of brexit except that there's a but you know th i think i don't think things are just about brexit i think as soon as you kind of polarize it like that you then start to go oh hold on a minute but maybe i i i do want brexit but i, I can't vote conservative or i can't vote brexit party i'm a labor voter but is that is that a kind of um is that a problem do you think for voters that they actually they they can't just square it as a brexit vote and they can't square it as their normal election yeah i think you're right i think there will be that conflict for a lot of voters as you say there may well be i'm sure there will be there will be a lot of staunch labor party supporters that will want to leave the eu and similarly there'll be a lot of staunch conservatives that will want to remain and so i suppose that is going to be a big yeah, big kind of conflict for them. And I suppose, I mean, it's difficult to say, isn't it? As we've said, we're manifesto-less at the moment, but particularly in the case of Labour and Lib Dem, seeing exactly where they stand on Brexit will, I would imagine, have a big difference and make a big impact on how many how many voters they can pick up. I, I, think, I think it will, because one of the reasons why Labour is bleeding vote, voters at the moment is because they're not taking a, a strong enough view on the Brexit question. They're losing voters to the Brexit party, probably less so to the Conservatives, but they're also losing voters to the Lib Dems. I mean, it, it, 
it's pretty unprecedented that the leading opposition party is is polling so badly at the moment. And I think you could probably put that down to the fact that they are dithering. They they don't have a it loves it. They don't yeah. have a they don't have a clear line. Dis- right. and delay. And so, it feels like they haven't had a clear position for some time now. And you're right. I think that they will have you know that they, they are gonna suffer as a result of that. It'd be interesting to see if when the Labour manifesto comes out, they do go with a clear and obvious message around Brexit? Well, I mean, to take a, a personal view on that, I think if I was able to vote, I would consider myself probably a Labour voter um, by kind of, you know, most affiliation to a lot of their kind of broad values and, and policies. Um, but on this particular issue, I think I would really struggle to vote for them because I I disagree with, with the road they're going down because I can't see it being realistic. I can't see how within the six months they would uh, negotiate a new um, withdrawal agreement and then organize another referendum. But quite a few experts have already voiced their concerns that actually that time frame isn't realistic. Um, which makes me think as a as a voter, as, as you've just said, Simon, I'm torn between, all right, there's lots of you know policies I potentially agree with them on. Obviously we haven't seen the full manifesto yet, but I can't agree with them on the labor on the Brexit question. Um, and then therefore I would lean towards maybe those parties that are stronger on the Remain Brexit side, which obviously are Lib Dems and Green Party in, in England. Um, but obviously, they're unlikely to be able to win an election. So almost what's strategically, what's the point of voting for them, where obviously the whole strategic vote question comes in. So there's a really, so I think, really interesting uh, kind of points of view. I just want to give Labour the kind of, um, uh, the you know, benefit of the doubt here. They, in fairness would describe their policy as very simple. Um, They say there would be a credible leave option and a remain option in a referendum. So in terms of what their position is, I would would say it's very clear what the position is. Whether it's achievable, it's been suggested that the timetable might not be that achievable, but maybe that if... do these Should these things be rushed? I don't know. And maybe if you're somebody that wants Brexit, but you're concerned about a very hard Brexit, does that mean you could sit in the kind of Labour position where their, their deal that they're proposing is a lot closer to perhaps the EU would want? So, so Keir Starmer, the, who's been you know negotiating and, and t- talking to you know EU um, people for a while, he sort of said, "Well, it, he's got he's giving off the impression that it wouldn't be that difficult to get the kind of plan they want because it's basically what the EU wants us to have anyway." Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, it's, I suppose it'll be interesting to see. Like, I feel it'd be tricky. I think with this, with this, with us chatting, obviously we've discussed this, you know, privately ourselves for quite a while now. We've all been taking an interest in it. It's very difficult. We could wax lyrical for five hours about Brexit strategies and policies and all the rest of it. I think it'll be interesting to see how much. I think when the manifestos come out, we'll see how much of a emphasis they place on Brexit and whether they think that you know their traditional voters are going to be on board with that. I think it's an interesting one. Um, do we think? Where do we think the Brexit party stands? Obviously, this week, they've said they're not going to stand candidates in Tory one seats from the previous election. Do we think Farage got a little sneaky tactic up his sleeve or is he just meddling? Well, I, I think the, the clever thing about what Nigel Farage has done, despite him being a mug, <laughs> <laughs> is he knows he knows that in the labor heartlands they will never ever ever for historic reasons vote conservative 
Whereas he offers them their Brexit, he offers them their Brexit without having to get them to cross their own moral kind of line, which is voting for Tories. So I, I believe he probably will manage to get some of those Labour leave seats. But is he actually going to be more damaging to Labour than Conservatives? Because I've heard it suggest as well that by contesting in those seats that aren't clear wins for Conservatives, he might pull, even if it's just a few, a few voters of Conservatives and a few voters of Labour and maybe some of Lib Dem and Greens, for instance, right? Um, but even those few votes that he pulls off the Conservatives could hurt them, which then makes their victory in those marginal seats potentially less likely. So actually, I agree with Tom that in those marginal seats that he is contesting, he does muddy the water. We don't really know which way those voters are going to go. But I think clever from him in that he knows that the only way that he can get Brexit Party MPs is by going after those seats where the Conservatives are not going to win anyway. Do we think, and this is a slightly different question, do we think Nigel Farage wants to be Prime Minister? Do we think he is, does we think he believes genuinely that that's a realistic option? Or do we just think he's an all-out Brexiteer and he just, all he wants is for his country to be out of the EU? He's not running as an MP. So he won't be able he won't be able to hold a seat in Parliament, okay. and he's decided to not he decided not to run as MP because he wants to coordinate the entire campaign. Mm. Some people are saying he's doing it because he's a coward, and it would be a, just another another case of him not getting into Parliament because he's tried before. And other people are saying that it's quite clever because he can now coordinate the campaign up and down the country without having to worry about one particular area. So do we think therefore that he is just? He just wants to see us leave. He, he's, he's a Brexit purist. Like all he cares about is, is Brexit. But then his ego also is playing into it because one minute he's saying that the form of Brexit that's on the table isn't pure and they can never back it. The next minute he's withdrawing 317 seats. So he clearly, he clearly is willing to accept Boris Johnson's form of Brexit. Otherwise, he would still contest those seats. But so you're suggesting though that. His goal in those seats they are contesting is to get a Brexit MP in those positions. Mm-hmm. But if he actually now says, by withdrawing those 317 seats, is essentially saying a Boris Brexit is still better than no Brexit, right? So strategically, why would he then still contest the marginal seats, make it potentially less likely for, because you can't, you can't guarantee that he's only going to pull voters from Labour, so potentially make it less likely for the Tories to win those seats and therefore actually endanger Brexit. Either. I don't believe that Nigel Farage wants a Tory majority. I think he wants a hung parliament and I think he wants Brexit party MPs to make up his majority. Similar to how the, the DUP at the moment or previously were propping up the Tories, I think he would love to be that person with eight or ten MPs that are able to completely change the dialogue in in Parliament. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I can yeah, I can see that. He, he obviously he doesn't have because whatever people may say about him, he is clearly a smart man, right? So he will have a strategy. He will know what he wants to achieve, and he's therefore probably smart enough to realise that the Brexit part, the Brexit Party, will never have a majority in Parliament. So you're right, he maybe is then just tactically moving people around to try and put themselves in a position where they can still have a big influence. What's interesting, though, with um, 
with the Brexit party is obviously they're a single a single issue party. Um, Nigel Farage has said um, uh, not so recently. He said he doesn't believe in manifestos. Um, he said that they're going to present a policy platform. Um, right. Now we're at a point where we haven't had the manifestos from our major parties, but they have been giving us policies in a kind of a different way, kind of day by day releasing things. I mean, I wouldn't say the Brexit party do actually have a very clear thing apart from saying we want a clean break Brexit, which they kind of have rolled back on, as Sam said, because they're happy for Boris's Brexit to be the Brexit that happens. Is is it a bit dangerous, do we think, having... Um, a party that doesn't have the traditional structures and leadership. Yes, he won't be prime minister, but he will definitely be running the Brexit party. Is that a dangerous place to be in kind of UK politics where you potentially have eight to 10 MPs in parliament and it's not quite clear what they stand for? Is that a fair assumption? That we might not. Yeah. I think, I think what I find really interesting about it, and this links into that, is that obviously there's a lot of like minor parties in like. British politics, right? And that's obviously a, a good thing. Anybody, if they, you know, have a strong enough belief, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a good kind of merit of the democratic system. No, but I find it interesting because obviously, with them being, as you say, Simon, such a like one part, one policy party, part of me does think is well, if the result of the election is that we end up basically once we have left the EU, what does the Brexit party then become? Exactly. Presumably, their mission is accomplished. And it'd be interesting to see what they do next. Because in my mind, I'm kind of thinking, is this a party that's just going to exist for three years and once we leave, that's it, they're gone? Well, that's what we thought would happen to UKIP after the Brexit referendum and then they kind of just rebirthed, gave birth back to themselves as the Brexit party. And, and, and I, do, I do also want to draw parallels between the Scottish Nationalist Party and mm. Brexit Party. You could argue that traditionally the Scottish Nationalists were a one-policy party running on independence for Scotland. True. Now tipped to win the most amount of seats in Scotland. Nicola Sturgeon, not an MP, yet leader of the party, and makes the headlines uh, and, and pushes the sort of SNP agenda. I don't know enough about Scottish politics to know if she's not an MP for a reason, but there are certainly well, parallels. she's first minister in Scotland. Which, yeah, I don't know too much about the structure of Scottish yeah. Well, which means she leads the the Scottish devolved parliament. Yeah, so she, she I would, I would say um, her perspective is that, and maybe the SNP's perspective is that Westminster, that they don't want to be part of Westminster politics. Um, that's kind of their their thing, isn't it? Being nationalist, uh, but I think she is in the Scottish Parliament. The Scottish Parliament has devolved powers. Um, I think, yeah, she does have a very strong role. Um, I think they are. I mean, they they definitely do have a full manifesto, and oh, yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So, but yeah, it's in, it's an interesting parallel, isn't it? Let's if we just move this conversation on a little bit, I think it'd be really interesting to um, maybe just kind of round things off and just talk about what we're looking for now. So we've we've we're into the election now. We've, we've had the first week. Um, over this next week of campaigning, um, obviously, we still don't have the manifestos. We can't kind of go through that information. What are we all looking for? Um, when we're thinking about who we're going to vote for in this election, should we start with Sam this time, maybe? Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking for scandals before before the <laughs> before before the manifestos come out. I'm going to be keeping my eye on on who's who's up to any funny business. Literally, um, Daily Mail from yeah. on, on notification alert. <laughs> I, I'll I'll be scanning for who Boris's next love affair uh, comes out to be. 
I'll be looking at what Corbyn's up to. I'll be keeping my twitchy little eye on on <laughs> on Farage and and yeah, the other eye on Joe Swinson. But until the manifestos come out, I'm just going to be looking for cock-ups. Well, this is the funny thing about elections. The shenanigans that politicians get up to during campaign season. I mean, just this morning, uh, Boris was in a pub, um, you know, putting himself a pint and uh, commentators were, you know, arguing about how well his uh, his pint was poured and so on. Like that, uh, you know, obviously we've had the flooding um, up in, in, in the north of England and we always see politicians out in their wellies and, uh, you know, getting in amongst it with the people. Um, and yeah, it's that sort of, you know, do we think it, that it's, it makes it entertaining? Um, you know, do we think as voters it's very genuine? I don't know. But yeah, I agree with Sam. That'll be funny to watch out for. I think I am looking for, what am I looking for in the next few weeks? I mean, it's, we don't really know what's going to happen, do we? Right now, I think I would probably share a lot of people's opinions in saying there is no obvious direction. As a floating voter, there is no real strong pull from anybody. Mm. So what I suppose I'm looking for is either one of the parties that I suppose are naturally more inclined to, to have an individual or a, not necessarily the leader, but someone in the party really take a strong view and feel like someone that I can get behind on a, on a personal level. Or it might be that one of the parties that I'm not naturally inclined to have some manifesto points unrelated to Brexit that I maybe wasn't expecting. And then that makes me change my thinking. But I think arguably you could say, without wishing to go on for too long, but for voters like me that are very much you know, on the fence looking in all directions, there's a big opportunity for a party to really pull voters like me in It'll be interesting to see if any of them do that. Well, it'll be interesting to find out, uh, just real quick, as we as we round this off and go through the room, um, where we are keeping on, on top of uh, the election news. I personally know that I use the BBC News app a lot, for instance. I always find that the um, coverage there is fairly neutral. Um, I can get it quickly on my phone, on the commute in the morning. Um, where do you guys consume your your news, your election updates? I would say I'm a combination. My main app to go to the same as you is actually BBC News. That's where I go if I want my facts and mm. I want my solid updates of what's happened, who said what, and why it might be important. Mm. I also keep Google News, so which is good because I get a nice variation of different headlines from different sources. So as Sam said, on the one hand, I can get my cold, hard election facts. And on the other hand, I can get my hot, saucy election scandals. What about you, Simon? What do, where do you go? Yeah, I think I'm a massive um, kind of podcast, I don't know, <laughs> consumer. Um, so <laughs> I'm, I, uh, I often um, when I'm at work, I might be listening to um, potentially like BBC uh, news, so the world at one, things like that, to get a kind of a broad view of what's happening. Um, I really enjoy uh, election cast and Brexit cast from the BBC. I've been a long time listening listening to those um, kind of shows, and I think that gives a really uh, interesting kind of rounded perspective. Um, also on my phone, I'm got my Apple News kind of aggregation app, right? Um, showing me, in theory, showing me uh, lots of lots of different kind of articles. Um, I do wonder though how much of a kind of a spread of articles I see on that platform and I'd be really interested to see what kind of comes out over this election. Um, am I getting swayed one way or the other in terms of does the algorithm think I want to be seeing a certain type of article? But that's where I'm currently getting all my news from. I, I hope a variety of sources.
Quick question that we can discuss next week on in terms of sources of information. Are we going to get hacked? I haven't given you my source of information yet. Yeah, Sam, go on. Go on, Sam. Sam give you, us your source. I'm going to give you two sources, actually. Sourcely. Shit. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, instant Twitter. Laura Koonsberg, Robert good. Peston. Oh, I love Laura. You get get onto the get onto the onto all the commentators. I miss Robert Peston. Oh, he's good. <laughs> he's a bit annoying, but he's good. <laughs> Tell you what, I'm looking Except- forward to watching with you on Sunday morning. Andrew Ma. Andrew Ma. That's my third source. Second source, LBC Radio. Yeah. If you want to keep your finger on the pulse of what the public is feeling and get your scandals live when they happen and scandals hashtag Grenfell and, and I don't I don't work for LBC so I don't, need to, I don't need to push them but that's when you get Joe Bloggs ringing up with a proper chip on his shoulder you know very opinionated I do love if, that. if you want to know what Middle England's thinking you dial into LBC because let's face it we don't know we don't know we don't know what we're thinking yeah we barely know what we're thinking right. good summary that isn't it we haven't got to, we don't even know what we're thinking so, as you've heard, we're all still trying to work it out as we go. There'll be plenty more of our opinions, hopefully some facts, and maybe at the end of this process, when we get to polling day, we'll have some idea of how we might vote. And remember, this is an open conversation, and we want to hear from you. Head over to anchor.fm slash notanotherelection to record us a message, or say hello on Twitter at another election. Thank you for listening. See you on the next one.